Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So, the villagers. Kill them all. Oh my command. Masters and Padawans, episode 256 of Full of Sith. I am the Mike Pilot, and with me are my co-hosts, Holly Fry and Brian Young. I'm happy to be back with you guys. You did an amazing couple of shows, Brian, especially the um, music interview shows. I didn't even know you did that. When did when did that all take place? Um, it's something that like they've been trying to do for a few months, and then they both came together. Like, like I got like a couple of hours notice, really. For them to come together and i was like oh well i'll just do these and then we'll do them well you're a pro because there were some great questions and for only having a couple of hours of prep good on you dude um they were a lot of fun i'm i i kind of wish i had bobby there though because he knows how to ask music questions better than i do but yeah. maybe maybe i worked well enough i learned stuff holly how are you i'm good are you in the same place for once or are you still out about the world i am in my home wow how's that feel i have not a abandoned any it's actually lovely i've been traveling so much for the past several months like for example i uh we're what not just barely halfway into february and i am already like three quarters of the way to qualifying for medallion status on my flights this year wow (laughs) that's crazy well welcome home thanks i'm excited i'm home for like five weeks well good that's probably gonna fly by fast uh, as for me, I'm um, sorry I missed the last couple of weeks, had some surgery, and then from the surgery, we had some complications with the surgery, and it was very painful, and uh, just something I want to put behind me, and I'm really happy to be recording the show with you guys today. So, uh, thank you everybody for their tweets, and their comments, and their texts, and their emails, and all that stuff. I really appreciate it. My family felt very supported, so thank you for that. Uh, and to stop talking about that, Brian, what are we going to talk about today on the show? So, we're going to talk about some news uh that came out some game of thrones related news and then we thought that that would be a good idea to to talk about that news but also talk about all of the actors and characters that have been in both game of thrones and star wars and there's going to be more and more and more as we go forward uh presumably because game of thrones actors are in everything now yeah yeah including peter dinklage doing a mountain dew commercial as buster rhymes which i thought was a brilliant commercial did you see that yet I have not seen that, but now my curiosity is peaked. You have to see it. Which is weird, because I never seek out commercials unless they're Star Wars. This one you want to see. I, I oh, think. I love commercials. I do, too. I, I am a fan. Even with the uh, the pointy ball thing that happened the other week, I like watching <laughs> I like watching the commercials. There's a couple ones. There's another Mountain Dew one with um, Morgan Freeman rapping as Missy uh, Elliott, and that was pretty good, too. So, yeah, look them up, Brian. Um so Game of Thrones actors in Star Wars talk about that. What other news? 
So the big news is uh, the big news is that the creators or the showrunners of Game of Thrones, uh, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff, are going to be writing and producing a series of Star Wars films. We don't know how many films that is. We don't know. Uh, I mean, a series of films sounds like at least three, right? I mean, maybe yeah. they could do another six or whatever. But uh, Lucasfilm announced that. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, right before Bob Iger mentioned it on a uh, an earnings call with shareholders, mm-hmm. and uh, it was not without uh, controversy. But uh, we have the uh, statement from Kathleen Kennedy here. If you'd like to listen to that, I would. I'm um, just to, to clear things up for people that are as dumb as me. Um, is Ryan Johnson doing all the numbered episodes the next three? Or is that no. just, no. that just so news there, that we heard somewhere? I heard somewhere. So, at this point, there's no plans to extend the Skywalker saga beyond Episode Nine that we're aware of. I, okay, yep. And Ryan Johnson has been given a separate trilogy, unconnected from anything. Okay, okay. I thought where I read it, it might have been clickbait that it was he was doing like ten, eleven, twelve, but they weren't Skywalker yeah. related. No. Okay. Okay. Good. Thanks for clearing that up for me. So, uh, David and Dan, Kathleen Kennedy says in a statement, are some of the best storytellers working today. Their command of complex characters, depth of story, and richness of mythology will break new ground and boldly push Star Wars in ways I find incredibly exciting. Um, And then they said in their joint statement that Lucasfilm released, Uh, In the summer of 1977, we traveled to a galaxy far, far away, and we've been dreaming of it ever since. We are honored by the opportunity, a little terrified by the responsibility, and so excited to get started as soon as the final season of Game of Thrones is complete. Mm -hmm. Um, So those were the official statements, and that's about all we know for sure. There's no definite idea of when their movies will take place, where they'll take place, what they'll be about. Uh, and we don't even know if they're going to get fired before those movies come about. Yeah, that's true. That's, that's very true. Um, I mean, you remember we had Josh Trank working on a solo film, uh, not, not, not solo. a Han solo film, but a, a standalone, a standalone film. Some, so yeah. And that film, which was reported in some circles, but I'm not sure how, how re- reputably, uh, as a Boba Fett movie. Yeah. And uh, now there's nothing on the back burner. And we, this is um, an interesting time in that we don't know what exactly is going to come out after episode nine because there aren't any release dates. So 2020 is still a mystery as far as what we're getting Star Wars wise. You know, and we're so spoiled that, you know, people might be upset about that. But you know what? It's going to be fine. It'll be fine. Well, and I think it doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't going to be one then. It's just not announced yet. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? There's always the possibility that they're just waiting. We've talked before about this weird compressed timeline that we're in right now where two movies are coming out six months apart. And then we have this big gap. I imagine that big 18 month gap between solo and episode nine is going to be full of announcements. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, but I mean, they have to finish Game of Thrones, which isn't even starting its last season until next year. So my suspicion is that they're not going to be that 2020 film. No, no, no doesn't seem so. And listen, the last season of Game of Thrones could be terrible. And then people would say like, no, 
Don't do a movie. I with don't that. think they could do that. Well, I mean, okay. So why don't we discuss the controversy and why that some of the controversies and some of the legitimate concerns surrounding why this statement was found to be troubling by some. Can we discuss Ill- illegitimate concerns too? Or is that off the table? If you want what, to make some concerns, stuff up, that's fine. Yeah, but concerns, if I just made stuff up that didn't... You mean concerns out of wedlock? Yes, completely. Like, they're not married anymore, and I don't want it to happen. Um, I'm just messing well, with uh, Go ahead. Okay, so so there's a couple of there's a, a couple of things, and there's um, there are some people who are upset because Game of Thrones doesn't exactly scream um, Star Wars storytelling. Uh, and... But it has you know, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones has been in hot water because of its treatment of women in the past, mm-hmm. uh, its portrayal of very like horrific events uh, against women, um, and and they sort of use the shield of well, it's historic, it's part of the story, it's this or that. And they, um, although I enjoy the narrative and acknowledge the problematic elements of it, there are some people that don't enjoy it. And the problematic elements keep them out of it. So that's that's one of the legitimate concerns about these two. Although I think that working with the story group, we're not going to get any of that mistreatment of women uh, or any of those much darker themes into these films. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to do that. Holly, why don't you weigh in on that? So uh, I should say out of the gate that I have not read the Game of Thrones books. Uh, probably will never happen. Uh, I'm kind of like that watcher that spends all of my time texting my best friend and going, who is this again? Um, but yeah, the problem is that if you watch that show, women, their violence towards women kind of gets used a lot as a plot device when it maybe doesn't need to be. Um, and it has been pretty bad, but I agree with you. There is like a level of insulation on it in that it will all pass through the story group. So I think those kinds of missteps are going to be avoided uh, by, you know, thoughtful input from other people. And it could also be that, uh, I mean, I don't know these gentlemen. Perhaps they have taken a lot of that criticism that's gone towards Game of Thrones to heart, and they're willing to, like, incorporate it and move forward with some very thoughtful storytelling where they consciously are making efforts to avoid kind of using women in that way in their storytelling, I hope. And if not, then this will probably be a big growing experience for them. Okay, so this is me as a stupid male who's ignorant, and forgive me, just correct me and set me straight, okay, Holly? Yep. All that being said, and it, and it's not a lie, that's how they treat women on Game of Thrones, they, they've also created some of the strongest, not phys- just physically, but mentally, uh, female characters on TV today. Uh, that's true. I mean, I think, and again, I haven't read the book, so I'm kind of talking out of class a little bit here. I think the biggest uh, problem that people have is that they're like, well, those female characters that are strong and really interesting were in the books, but some of these things that they have done, like they have turned some sexual scenes into much more of a rape scenario than they were in the books, maybe mm-hmm. in order to drive the plot. And so that feels a little exploitative. Um, it's more things like that that happen because those characters were already quite strong in the material that they were sourcing from. Okay. 
I, I think that's a definite concern. I think the other concern people have with the filmmakers, or one of the other concerns that people have with these two specifically, um, was the announced television show that they were working on HB- with HBO that may or may not actually be happening now that this Star Wars announcement has happened, and that was a show called Confederate. It was supposed to be an alternate history where... Um, I believe, like, the South won the war and slavery's still a thing. Yeah. Which you can see where in how some people might say, like, well, they don't have the best storytelling instincts if they thought that was going to be awesome. <laughs> I could see people saying that. Sure. That whole thing made me make such a quizzical puppy face because I'm like, you know, for a show to get greenlit and go through all the PR process of, like, prepping an announcement and then going to, you know, not to press in the traditional sense, but like releasing that online. I'm like, did no one in this process raise their hand and go, is this a bad idea? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That sort of befuddles me. But yeah, it's just, this is, I honestly believe that they thought they were being thoughtful and careful about it, but it's like, there's a tone deafness there where they didn't, consider like even a carefully told story in this that is told by two white guys is a little like it's just it's bad optics yeah yeah well and that's that leads to the other probably the largest concern people have is that these these two are producing and writing a new series of star wars films and sort of show running them they're not directing them but um there was a lot of disappointment uh, from myself included, that that we still haven't seen uh, or heard of a, a a woman or a person of color in the you know in the captain's chair, to to take a Star Trek metaphor, uh, on a Star Wars film that yeah. we've had, uh, you know, a string of white dudes, and we're we're seeing now, especially on the heels of of Black Panther coming out, which. Uh, Mike, I know you haven't seen it as we've recorded this. Holly, have you seen it? Oh my god, yes. It's so wonderful. As soon as we're done, that's where we're going. It is. I literally, I walked out and just tweeted like, Coogler for Star Wars. I want him to direct a Star Wars movie so bad now. Mm. Um, And I understand, like, I think one of the things missing in the discussion is that uh, Hollywood and schedules are difficult and announcements are ridiculous. Um, and they have very specific reasons for announcing things when, like, this was Star Wars had to get the news out because Iger was going to reveal it on a, a call, right? Because yeah. contracts have been signed and shareholders are going to want to hear that, so they had to announce it when they did. Uh, otherwise, you know, the story would just leak out through that sale or that, that shareholder call. Um, but that's not to say Kathleen Kennedy and the group there haven't courted. Uh, you know, female directors or or people of color uh, as directors or writers. We know that we know that they have. They've talked to just about everybody in Hollywood. So I don't think it's a matter of them purposely picking the white guys uh, as much as it is the directors that they want for these things. Their schedules just haven't lined up yet. It's a matter of of when, not if. Right. Well, and I think Pablo even tweeted something along the lines of like, hey, there are actually a lot of announcements coming. This happened to be the first one that was ready and had to go out. 
Yeah. So I'm paraphrasing terribly there. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm hopeful that, that the next series of announcements will include a little more diversity, be some exciting names that are going to bring some exciting ideas to Star Wars. Here's my other thing, and I'm probably going to get lambasted for this. Never. Not from us. Maybe not, but, you know, in the in the court of public opinion, um, yes, I absolutely 100% agree that we need women in the mix and we need people of color in the mix. We don't really need more white dudes helming things. However, at the same time, I also worry that if we apply this purity test of everyone who has ever made a misstep should not be making movies. Nobody would make movies. Well, for a couple of reasons, right? Like one, we would be cutting everybody out. And two, nobody would want to even try because then it gets real weird and it's too, the court of public opinion is a little too dicey to deal with. But three, like, I feel like, and again, this may just be my hippie thing that I was talking about, but like, I want, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt that they have learned from mistakes and from being lambasted themselves and like see if they can move to the next level because it might be really interesting and really good. And I would rather hope that those people would become allies to the cause of diversity and to telling more interesting stories that are not just about the same kinds of people we've always seen on film rather than just kick everybody to the curb. Yeah. Well, and that they have said, I do, of course, like with everybody else, I do wish that like it had been an announcement more along the lines of like, by the way, Ava DuVernay is going to run a whole thing. I totally would have been super jazzed by that. And I had the same thing of like, oh, really? Is this what's coming next? But I also want to hope for the best and hope that they will turn in something really interesting. I've heard that she was approached but didn't want to do one. That wouldn't really surprise me. Which is um, like, so everyone calling for her to do one, like, yes, that's great wishful thinking, but they can't make her do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was just using her as sort of an analog of a great director yeah. that is both a woman and a person of color and, you know, really good at telling stories. Um, but as far as these two go, in their defense, they have had female directors of Game of Thrones and female writers, and they're not directing this series of films. And if they are show running it and they are cognizant of this, then maybe they will be picking those people uh, under their under their supervision. I hope. I mean, I'm I'm not. Like I said, I'm not willing to condemn anybody at this point. I certainly hope for you know, different faces and different ideas, but we don't know where this is really going yet. So Um, I I understand everyone's disappointment and I feel it, but I, it's kind of like that thing I always say where I'm like, just chill for a minute and see where this actually is going. Cause we have very little information. um, We also have more than a, like more than a couple of TV shows that are going to be announced imminently. Um, And they could have, people behind them and and almost certainly Baloney will probably be behind one of them yes I would think I would imagine yeah um, because Rebels is coming to an end and I can't wait to talk to you both tomorrow after these next two episodes because we're gonna need to talk yeah um, today's just a crazy day I know it's gonna be a good day I know. I'm like, why is all this stuff coming out when I'm so insanely busy already? 
<laughs> which which is an embarrassment of riches, I know, but so um does that cover all of those uh concerns with those two and the news about them that we know without giving short shrift to any any of the perspectives that are out there about it? I think so. Yeah, I'm dumb to this stuff, but I think he's got it covered. You're adorably dumb to it. I am. I am adorably dumb. That's what everybody tells me when they meet me. They they go, Mike, you're adorably dumb. I'm like, thank you. I don't think I would ever say that. Adorable, yes. Dumb, not so much. (laughs) I meant dumb to this. I said adorably dumb to it, not adorably dumb. I would never call Mike dumb either. The other problem is... Just by default, when I'm in a good mood or I'm feeling good, and I'm feeling good today. Like I said, I'm happy to be doing the show, and physically I'm feeling good. Sometimes I say stuff in regular conversation and on the show that I say as a joke and just isn't appropriate for that time. So I'll just refrain from some certain comments. What? What? It's probably for the best. What about all the actors that have been in Game of Thrones and Star Wars, but uh, other ones that that we're going to see soon, too? So the one that we're going to see soonest uh, that hasn't come out yet is is naturally Amelia Clark, who's playing Kira mm-hmm. in the yeah. solo film. And Amelia Car- Clark plays Daenerys Targaryen, Khaleesi. Uh, the Khaleesi in Game of Thrones. And she's been on every season of the show. And her character is actually like she has a long history with Han Solo and they're getting uh, some books to help flesh out their relationship and whatnot. Um, but I don't get the impression that uh, much of her character on Game of Thrones is going to inform Kira where... where... <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I would definitely agree with that. Well, Daenerys seems so much more, well, at least now, um, bold and in control, and Kira seems like sort of a street rat in uh, very fine clothing. It's an interesting way to put it. Well, she's, I mean, this has come out, if you read the um, the article that Entertainment Weekly did about the new books coming out and some of the interviews that were done um, as part of the Han Solo announcement, it definitely sounds like Kira is wily. Like, she is, you know, always kind of uh, scrabbling to get by, but she's smart about it. Uh, so there is, I mean, I think, and she describes this character as a very strong woman. Um, which is great to hear. So we'll see. I mean, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. I love the idea that there is this person in Han Solo's life that we have never heard of before, but was undoubtedly a huge influence on his development as a person. Yeah. She also faced some of the criticism, and I can't blame them, that every female lead in Star Wars apparently needs to be like a really skinny, pale white brunette. Yeah, there is some theming there. Um, I'd like to see some some different things there, which is why I'm glad we're getting uh, Tandy Newton as as Val in this movie as well. Oh, mm-hmm. Tandy Newton, oh, she's majestic. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so much. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I I I agree. It's a little, you know, there's definitely a theme of petite, very cute white ladies with brunette hair. <laughs> But I think, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Maybe they'll bleach her and it'll be like Khaleesi arrives. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it do you think it really like 
personally in your heart? Do you think it's intentional or do you think it's just no. a coincidence? I think it's unconscious. Yeah. Uh, it it may be. I mean, I I don't want to say it's accidental. It is accidental, but I think there's like probably a subconscious thing of like this person looks right in Star Wars, and it's just because we're repeating an image that we're familiar with. Yeah. But uh, but I don't know. I'm not part of casting. I don't. Perhaps they looked at you know, 22 redheads for that part, and none of them were quite right. Um, we just don't know. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited though to see her in something uh, new that is not a romantic e movie because we know I have some weird thing where I don't like romantic movies, uh, and that is Star Wars. Ron Howard should have just booted her and brought Bryce Dallas Howard in. <laughs> She would probably also be great. Were you talking about Thandie Newton or are you talking about Amelia Clark, though? Amelia Clark. Okay. Yeah. I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> I want Bryce Dallas Howard in a Star Wars film. Oh, surely it will happen. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, give it time. Right? That... Even if it's like a littler role. Mm, give sure. It time. She's wonderful. So, um, the, as far as Daenerys, is there any favorite moments of hers that people who are maybe haven't watched the show should check out that, that you two think are just like, yep, that's Daenerys? And they should just watch the show. Yeah. Right. But... I mean, her like finale at the end of season one was where I was like, oh, uh, which I think is the case for a lot of people. And again, keep in mind that it's coming from a person that isn't like a, a rabid fan. I keep up with the show, but like I'm. Like I said, I lose track of things very easily. <laughs> uh, but she's had a really interesting arc. And it's been really fun to see this character who is introduced as kind of a a weak, sort of weak. You're, you're given to perceive her as like a weak, almost child who does not really have dominion over her life or her future. And then watch her really like blossom and become something completely unexpected. Uh, it's quite it's quite a fun arc to watch. And she's a really good actress. She does it beautifully. Yeah, man, I really liked her in the, the newer um, Terminator movie, the Genesis. I thought she was really good in that. She was definitely not the problem with that film. No, <laughs> I don't even remember most of that film. I think I, I um, self saved by blocking a lot of it out. <laughs> so, uh, I don't we'll know. Move she, on to- she, she can do a Sarah Connor type. Easy. Is all I'm saying. Oh, for sure. No, you're uh, you're absolutely right. No, seriously, I really loved her in that movie. I didn't love that movie. Yeah, I, we've had that conversation before. Um, so now we've got we'll come to to Gwendolyn Christie, uh, who everybody knows as Captain Phasma, who may or probably met her end in the Last Jedi. I know some are still hoping that she kind of pulls herself out of the Sarlacc metaphorically, as it were. Um. But she has a major role on Game of Thrones as Brienne of Tarth, which is where she sort of came into prom- prominence. And Brienne is sort of a, a, a warrior um, in armor. So, like, there, there are some similarities to Brienne or, and, and Phasma, but uh, Phasma is completely without honor, and honor is what defines Brienne. Yeah, and Brienne really can kick the butt of the hound and anybody else she goes up against. And she didn't do so well against Finn Phasma. Yeah. 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 Phasma clearly, I mean, it, I, Oh man, I still love that Phasma book deeply. Um, but it's interesting, right? Phasma has this sort of 
hubris, which is problematic once she becomes part of the First Order, uh, whereas Brienne sort of maintains kind of a purity of purpose, mm-hmm. uh, which I love. I just I adore that woman. And like Brian said, with honor and, you know, it, it, the, the other thing, I mean, Brianna Tarth has been in some situations in Game of Thrones, but we've never seen fear in her eyes like we did when Phasma's mask gets broken and you can see her eye and that there is fear behind that. So I think she's, I'm happy that she was in the movie. I'm not, I'm not going to say I dislike everything that they did with Phasma in the two movies. I don't think that she's, I don't think she should survive what, what happened in the last movie. Um, I just think she was a little underutilized like Maul in episode one, but I mean, there's plausible deniability that we could have gotten her. She could have been whisked away. She survived a garbage masher. Yeah. Why not a fiery pit? There's just so much that Gwen and Chris, Christy can do as an actress. You know? Did did either of you notice, uh, after my last viewing, I was kind of watching the screen around her. Did you notice that she falls right through like a giant downed ADAT to her left? Or AT-AT, as the phrase might be? No, no I have not. Yeah. I'm going to go see it again. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm going to go hit round 19 today. Don't have to look for it. I didn't notice that. I just saw the flames. Yeah, when she's when she's falling, look to the left. There's a big ATAT down, you know, a level below her, mm. which kind of gives a scale to how much further she's falling than it looks. Yeah, because they're gigantic. Yeah. So if she survives, she's gonna be she's gonna be in some rough shape. Yeah, she's gonna that's be the in thing bad that, shape. That's actually why I hope she survives. Right? Like, I want her to come back messed up and super angry. You mean like all like burned, deformed, and yes. vengeful? Yes. I mean, that'd be cool. I want like Freddy Krueger level just messed up and like a white hot ball of fury. <laughs> I would sign up for that newsletter, Holly, <laughs> to use Brian's term. As far as uh, Brienne goes, what would you what would you direct people to for favorite moments? Uh, I know for me... It might be the scene with or the 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 part of the series where she's teamed with Jamie Lannister, mm-hmm. yeah, and they're exploring each other's backgrounds, uh, and and they realize that they have a respect for them for each other, even though they're they're sworn enemies. Yeah, I, I that would have been one of the first things I would have talked about, and um, I, I really do like that because I didn't have the the expectation that they were gonna because they kind of did get close towards the end of that. I mean, he gave her his sword, right? But I would say the the fight with the Hound and her trying to convince Lady Stark that she would uh, be honorable to her and, and protect her daughters and and her with, the, what's the kid's name? Her squire that's always with her. Podrick? Yeah. I like how she's... The one who... How she treats him. The one who sleeps with everyone but her and apparently he's amazing. That's what they say. That's what they said. <laughs> yeah. He surprised everybody, but... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good dialogue between them two as well. Yeah, no, I really love her relationship with Podrick. I really love... There was, like, nothing more satisfying than her fight with the Hound, too. Yeah, I know. It was amazing. Yeah. I probably watched that, like, 30 times. I I, I wound it, like, five times that night. It's it's such a great fight. <laughs> what about you, Holly? Uh, mine is all the Jamie Lannister stuff. I think... Um... Because I'm one of those people, like, um, I'm blanking on his name, the actor that plays Jamie Lannister, who is... By it's all unpronounceable object- to me. 
yeah, by all objective measures, very attractive. But because of the way his character enters that story, I have always found him horrifying and gross. And so the stuff with him and Brienne was like the first time where I was like, oh, there is something sympathetic about Jamie. Um, it's where he takes a turn in the series. Like he's just it a is, jerk and off. I always just attribute it to Brienne. Yeah, I do too. Which to me makes her even that much stronger. Like it's when she is not fighting that she's really Impactful. also capable of enacting great change. Yeah, Nicolaj Coster Waldo or Waldau. That is hard to say. Reason I love Jamie, I think, is the same reason I love Kylo Ren. Right, where the first time you meet him, it's like, wow. That dude, I have nothing to sympathize with there. And then as you dig deeper and and find more out about him, you realize that he's human. Uh, the same with Jamie Lannister, the way with the same way we learned with Kylo Ren, and that maybe Kylo Ren has reasons for feeling the way he does. But all we see in The Force Awakens is sort of this entitled man baby. <laughs> because we're we're used to seeing entitled man babies in Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> But no, I do. I do attribute the entire relationship between Jamie and Brienne for his going on the upswing rather than going down lower. And we can we can blame Ray for that, and Luke for Kylo. <laughs> yeah, we can always blame Luke. <laughs> so um, the next one I want to talk about is Julian Glover, who uh, he was on six seasons of Game of Thrones as young uh, as Grandmaster Pycelle. There was nothing young about him. Um, but he was also uh, General Veers. Yeah. In, in The Empire Strikes Back. And he was also the heavy in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And even perhaps my least favorite James Bond film for your eyes only. He was uh, really great in Indiana Jones. That's what I remember yeah. most of. I didn't know he was Veers. I didn't. I never made that connection. I guess. I love General Veers. Love. I mean, I have a cat named after him. I love him. So, obviously, I'm a fan. Um, it's interesting though, like because he is so Veers to me. Whenever I see him in anything else. I have a weird filter where I'm like, well, that's not how Veers would do it. And I know that's completely <laughs> like against the willful suspension of disbelief that we're all supposed to buy into when we do, when we consume things in the entertainment realm. But I still, it's a problem for me on that one in particular. Yeah, no, I, uh, it, it's one of those things that I connect so strongly with him and I see him and I hear him and I'm like, oh, that's Veers and Donovan. But when you tell people that, sometimes it does just kind of blow their minds like we just did with Mike. Yeah, totally. And I really don't like his character in Game of Thrones at all. Oh, I love him. Mm. He's just a creepy, the thing old, about he's just him a creepy is that, old dude. Oh, absolutely. He's absolutely a creepy old dude, but he's playing it so meticulously. And he plays that doddering old fool, even though you know he's one of the most brilliant minds in king's landing and he's mm -hmm. been playing the game for so long he's almost better at it than anybody well that's the thing if you last that long you have to be good at playing that game and so like the um just the the way he he reveals that slowly to people like is it uh jamie's like uh or uh jamie and the the guy who trained jamie to fight when he lost his hand and was uh, Tyrion's like right hand man, what's his name? Why am I blanking on it? 
You know who I'm talking yes, about, the singer. The guy who wants to get the um the castle and all his just yeah. deserves. Yeah, I can't think of his name. I think it's a scene between him and 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 Picel where he's just like, eh, don't uh you don't need to keep up the act for me. I think it was a deleted scene from the show too. And it was just like Braun. Yeah, Braun. Uh and and Picel, like the way Julian Glover plays him, where he's just like, Okay, we're dropping the pretense. I'm not this doddering old man. And his voice and his posture just kind of pick up immediately and he's much more virile than you would imagine. And you know, Julian Glover is he's at least in his eighties, right? He's probably pushing ninety. He's eighty two. Eighty two. Um for him to have that kind of like command over his craft still is very impressive. Yeah. I don't know. But you, so you don't like him. Holly, how do you feel about Grand Maester Picel? This is where I'm like, I'm trying to remember specifics about him because like I said, I'm kind of a drive by viewer of Game of Thrones. I don't have the buy in. I'm kind of like because you know <laughs> I don't I don't care for dragons. Oh my god. <laughs> I think you just broke my brain. Have I never told you this before? No, 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 Holly. I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm not, like, fantasy is not my zone. It isn't either for me, but I want a dragon so bad that oh, every time no. I see one, I just want a dragon. No, I still blame the animated Hobbit for all of my, like, ugh, fantasy. Because... It came out the same year as A New Hope did mm-hmm. and originally, and I had seen A New Hope right in May with everybody else, and then that came out like later that year, and I remember watching it on TV and being like, this sucks. Where's this? I want space, and I want spaceships, and I want blasters. This dragon fantasy stuff is not for me. And I was six, and I never grew out of that. You know yourself. I mean, I'm not. It's, we're not going to not be friends anymore because of it. But <laughs> now I'm guessing you've never read the Ar- Aragon series because you don't like dragons. No, and, uh, I a- really loved that 1977 Hobbit cartoon. I still sing the songs. Star Wars broke it for me. That, car- that cartoon gave me nightmares. Just the way it was like live action, but cartoon and just weird. Interesting bit of trivia about that uh, Hobbit movie. Before we move on, mm-hmm. um. The uh, Rankin and Bass hired the studio to animate that from Japan, and that was the money they needed in their first big project to turn into Studio Ghibli. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. You always learn yeah. something new from Brian Young, Holly. I know, right? Uh, yeah, I have a weird, like, uh, fantasy stuff is not my zone, and medieval fantasy stuff is really not my zone. I know this is all very shocking. Um, so, like, for Game of Thrones, it's a little bit of a drive-by for me, I will say. Um, so, I'm trying to recall specifics about Julian Glover's character, and I think that's probably when I'm texting my best friend and going, I don't remember who any of these people are. I guess, so, so for me to say I don't like him is kind of, you know, cheap and weak, and, and I could add more onto it. I say he's a creepy, you know, old old dude. While I can respect what Brian's saying about him being able to play the game really well and and act like he doesn't know what's going on or that he's feeble or any of these things. It was just that one scene, Brian, that just completely ruined that character for me. He gets up from being with the young girl and he's an old man and he's stretching out and he's like, oh, I just had my young lady and it's gross. It's just gross. No, I don't. 
I don't doubt. I, I, I'm not saying it's not gross. I'm saying Julian Glover's really good at it. Oh, yeah. No, he's, I mean, as an actor, he's amazing. I mean, if just like the Joffrey kid, everybody hated that kid. Like, if they see him in the street, they want to throw stuff at him. But you got to be pretty decent at what you do to be hated that much to be that good at being <laughs> terrible. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hurt him as a person. I love him in other things, but it, in Game of Thrones, I'd like to throw him off a, a roof. That would be okay with me. Just like Bran. Yes. Sure. But it was more of a window. But yeah. So speaking of Brand, uh, he trained under the Three-Eyed Raven for a while, who was played by Max von Sydow, who we all know as Lor Santeca from The yep. Force Awakens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Max von Sydow is one of those actors. We've talked about him a lot on the show in years past as we were in the run-up to Force Awakens. But like, he just has this gravitas to him about the mystical things. Uh, from the seventh seal, which if you haven't seen it, please go do so. Uh, all the way up to even like his role as the three-eyed raven, who's this sort of mystical, all-seeing character, uh, who's just sort of maybe a tree. Even I'm not even sure. Uh, <laughs> but he's Lor Santeca in Star Wars. He doesn't have a huge part in Game of Thrones or Star Wars, but I always relish talking about Max Moncito because he's just so good. Yeah, uh, I keep thinking of him in Hannah and Her Sisters, which is also a, an interesting, completely outside the genres that oh, we're talking about. He's so good in that movie, like that that monologue he has about if Jesus were to come back now, yes. saw the telemarketers, he would never stop throwing up, or yes. the televangelists. Oh, it's so good. Yes, and I also think of him a lot in Flash Gordon, which sort of has a Star Wars tie. You know, you forget about him as being the Merciless because he's got so much weird makeup on. Yeah. Yeah, I never think of him as Ming, even though, I mean, obviously, but uh, yeah. Uh, I think now, right, he is another one that is not a spring chicken. He's 88, um, but still turns in these incredibly powerful performances. And I love him as Lord Santeca. Yeah, he sets the stage of the movie with Kylo right off the bat. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, has that sort of defiant spirit that we normally associate with the behavior of youth. But to see it in an older person who is clearly very grounded adds like this whole other layer of intensity and power to it. I love it. You should also check him out as the bad guy in Minority Report. Oh, yeah. He's so good. Like, I just, I've never seen a movie where Max von Sydow just hasn't acted his heart out. Yeah, he does. There's no mediocrity for him. No. You know who else is in Game of Thrones, but I think would be great in a Star Wars movie? Um, The guy from Brazil. Um, He was the High Sparrow. Jonathan Jonathan. Price. Oh, Jonathan Price. Yeah. I could see him as like a First Order head guy. Oh, yeah. He'd be really good. He'd basically just be his bad guy from... uh, from Tomorrow Never Dies, but just on a first order, order Star Destroyer. <laughs> I mean, really, all he needs is Star Wars to do all, all the major types of movies. He's done Bond. He's done lots of stuff. Anyway, I'm sorry. Random thought. My bad. Oh, all right, you're fine. Um, so the next one is actually two. Um, so Jessica Henwick, uh, who played Jess Pava in The Force Awakens, 
was Nymeria Sand in Game of Thrones, one of the uh, the Sand Vipers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also Keisha Castle Hughes, who is Queen Apollana, Apollana, Apollana. I don't know how people pronounce that. I said Apollana. We never hear it in the movies. Yeah. Um, she was uh, Obara Sand, one of the other sort of sisters in that situation. And uh, she was in episode three. And I think they were both, they both got way more to do in Game of Thrones. So if you do like their brief appearances in Star Wars, Game of Thrones is worth worth watching. Uh, partially because everything with the Sand Snakes was amazing. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with that. Even though I didn't like their mother at all. <laughs> they were they were pretty pretty badass, and I yeah. think uh, and and the characters, even though they're good fighting, um, they're good at fighting, and they were um, dangerous and all that other stuff. I, I like the um, conversations between them, like when they're in the cell, like they're very um, competitive with one another, and almost like they don't like each other at all, but they have to be because they're family and they have to stay together. Um, so that would be one of the parts of Game of Thrones that I would recommend people to watch with them. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's a little bit of a twist on like the relationship that we see, for example, in Guardians with um, Gamora and her sister. Yeah, like they have the competitive, but they don't have that unity at the end of the day for the most part. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Sand Snakes, they're at each other, but then. When push comes to shove, they totally have each other's backs, which is an interesting dynamic. Yeah, they're almost very Italian that way. That's how my family <laughs> is. We're all worst enemies until something's against us, and then we we unite. Yeah. Uh, I would also recommend Whale Rider if people want to see Keisha, Keisha Castle Hughes and something else. What's Whale Rider? Oh, it's amazing. There's no dragons um, in it, right? There are no dragons in it. There are whales. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the dragons uh, of the sea, Holly. I know. I know. It's weird. Um, it is uh, about... She plays a young Maori girl, and it is um, it is about a woman seizing... A young, very young woman. She's very young still in that movie. Uh, kind of seizing her place in the story of her people and, uh, you know, fighting against... A, a patriarchal ideal of what she's supposed to be. Uh, it's absolutely beautiful. She is phenomenal in it. It's one of those things where you're like, how did an actor this young pull this off? So it's like South Pacific um, area of the globe or. Yeah. 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 She's yeah. Maori. So okay. you know, New Zealand area. Um, and it's just, Oh, so good. I'm going to have to check this out. This sounds good. I think that was the first movie she did after. Um, Star Wars, and she got a lot of acclaim for it. There were a lot of awards around that movie because it was really quite something. Uh, I yeah. highly recommend it. Give me the name again. I'm going to write it down. Whale Rider. I thought you said Whale Watcher. So Whale Rider. Yeah. No, yeah. Whale Rider is a lot more exciting than Whale Watcher. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a smidge, Brian. Uh, yeah. So the next one we're going to move to is Ian Mc, uh, McElhenney. Mm-hmm. And he was Sir Barristan Selmy on several seasons of Game of Thrones. He was the uh, head of the Kingsguard during uh, during Aerys Targaryen's reign and Robert Baratheon's reign, and for a short time during Joffrey's reign. But he was dismissed 
and then he went to serve Daenerys, and then was he ended up being killed by the Sons of the Harpies. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was General Dodonna in Rogue One. Really? Yeah. Yeah, my brain didn't do that connection. And look at you blowing my mind. No, it's what. Well, well, part of it is that like he looks exactly like General Dodonna in Rogue One, and he doesn't look anything like that in. Like, he doesn't have a beard for most of the series, and then it's only, like, very light and small. At the end, he had kind of a beard, but it's just not as bushy or majestic as Dodonna's. But whose is, really? <laughs> wow. Okay. That was, did anyone else feel a little bit weird? Like, General Dodonna and Rogue One just sounded a little off, though. I don't know that I thought about it. I didn't give it really a lot of thought, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I have... I have his voice imprinted in my brain from watching A New Hope too much and then hearing it just a little different saying other lines was weird. He's the only character I've done that with because it's like it doesn't matter to me who's voicing Jabba. It doesn't matter to me even though there's a distinct difference between like Clone Wars Jabba and movie Jabba or Akbar, right? Like who cares about the difference between Tom Kane, Akbar and uh, the other one, or actually, that's not true. The other one that bugs me is Jar Jar. When it's not a med best, there's like, uh, well, that's one that's you know it's on my best, and it's weird if you don't hear it from somebody uh, by somebody else. I'll agree with that. Yeah. What about what about the Donna and um Re- the Rebels cartoon? Did the voice there bother you? Um, it was a little closer. I I think part of it is like, I think part of it was the the cognitive dissonance of looking at someone who looks exactly like Jan Dodonna yeah, and then not hearing the same voice. You know what I mean? Where in the cartoon, I can separate it out a little bit. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Makes sense. I think you're just a hater, Brian. Oh, I, can you tell people who... <laughs> can you tell that to everyone who calls me a shill? Sure. No, he's actually a hater. You don't he's even really know. really a hater. Ugh. Brian Young. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah, I think he was looking for you to start right now. So get the phone book. Dude, I'll just call people up. <laughs> Brian Young, hater. Do you know how often I get called a shill? Probably a lot. Yeah. It's weird. Like, hey, I like Star Wars. You're a shill. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah, but to the young wow. kids these days, shill means cool, Brian. <laughs> okay, your I'll heart, take... Mike. <laughs> it means like, you know, you're not, sh- you're, you're surely cool. You're surely, you're, sh- you're shill. You gotta look I like it up. that Mike is working hard on this. I have to really say. trying. I don't uh, want Brian to get upset. No, you know, you know, I mean, I think that's one of those weird things that comes from a place of not being able to comprehend or acknowledge that people have different tastes and points of view in the world. I don't quite understand it. It's like when I say I'm not into dragons, but I know so many people love all of the dragon stuff. And, like, I love seeing their joy at it. Like, I would never be like, you're a dragon shill. But it's that lack of comprehension that you could love something that they hate. They presume their opinion is objective fact, and that's simply not the case. Yeah, but what's really annoying about that whole thing, the whole shill thing, is they don't really have any reasonings for it. They're just doing it to, to be a jerk off. Like, Brian Young, he likes episode one. What a shill. Like, to me, if I heard that, if we were out in public and I heard somebody say that, I would just say, you know, you have no reasoning for it. You're just saying it just to to cause Brian discomfort. 
I don't think they care about me. I don't even think they know who I am. I just exhibit a positive opinion about Star Wars, and that's too much for them. Yeah. Stop doing that. I can't. I can't. Nor so. <laughs> he so, can't. He won't get his shill paycheck. That's right. <laughs> um, I wish I got a paycheck for being a shill. Right? That'd be stupendous. So the next one is Thomas Brody Sangster. Which one's that? Uh, so he played Jojen Reed in Game of Thrones. He was one of the kids. He was the, the boy that helped get Bran to the Three-Eye Raven. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that kid. Yeah. And he played Petty Officer Thanison in The Force of Awakens. Uh, so he was the, the, uh, the officer that announced that there's an unscheduled departure in the TIE Fighter Bay when mm-hmm. Poe and Finn are leaving. Yeah. That yeah. was him. And along those same lines, uh, the woman who who, who kind of fulfills that same role on Hux's Star Destroyer at the beginning of Last Jedi, that is Lysa Aaron. Really? Yeah. So it's obviously different from her role as Queen of the Airy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there's a lot of... Nutbag. <laughs> It's true, but that Jojen Reed, I, I noticed that from the card trader. That was if I didn't notice it watching the movie. I noticed when I was pulling cards a long time ago. I'm like, that's a kid from Game of Thrones helping. Brand. There's a lot of other like bit players that had like minor roles on the show that ended up doing minor things in Star Wars. So like the guy who played Serio Pharrell, who who taught Arya how to sword fight or fence it in season one. Mm-hmm. He was uh, an alien under heavy makeup in Maz Kanata's place. Um, the minstrel who had his tongue cut out by Joffrey in season one, he was Major Brantz, uh, who was in the Resistance. He was an officer and reports to Leia that the First Order has attacked Jakku okay. in, a de- in a deleted scene. Um, this one's really interesting, and I really like this one. Uh, Ling Yang, who played the traitor trooper, was Oberyn Martell's stunt double in his in his duel against the mountain. Oh you want to talk about good fights? Yeah. <laughs> Are we talking about the traitor fight or the? No. the I'm sorry. I'm talking the about Viper versus the mountain. The Viper versus the mountain. That, that was greatest fight ending ever. It kind of was. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me laugh. Just thinking about it. Mm. Um, and the the other one I really like is Darth Vader in Rogue One. Spencer Wilding. He is a White Walker. Is he one of the main White Walkers? Like one of the leaders? Um, I think he's just a, a stunt, a stunt White Walker. A stunt White Walker. Okay. Um, but a part of it is that Game of Thrones and The Force Awakens shared the same casting director. Yeah, they both had Nina Gold. Yeah. So she brought in a lot of those people, which is exactly what you do. And that's all filmed pretty much the same part of the planet, right? Like, you have, this, yeah. you have the same casting director, you work these well, people the, for, they're the in same that continent anyway. Yeah. It was in Europe, right? Like, yeah. Northern Britain or right. Ireland and yeah. a whole bunch of other places in that region. But, I mean, there's more, but, uh, you know, it's not even, it, it's all just really bit parts. What I like after- what we're doing, what we've been doing today is what I've, been doing for the last couple of years and I, I know a lot of other people do it it's not like i'm the first person to ever do this but it's what i do every time i watch a movie even if it's an old movie i go into imdb i look at the trivia 
and I look at the characters and then you do, you make a lot of little connections or, or a lot of things you don't know. Like this movie would have gone a different way if this actor would have had hair that he had to shave off because he was doing this television show. There's a lot of little stuff in there that you would never know otherwise. And I think it adds a lot to the storyline of all these great movies and shows that we watch. Yeah. And with, you know, Benioff and Weiss doing Star Wars, I imagine that there's going to be more people coming into Star Wars from Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. which is great because I don't think anybody would argue that whether you like Game of Thrones or not or find it problematic, no one can deny that it's impossibly well acted. Oh, yeah. Yep. I mean, that's the thing. That That's what I keep reminding myself any time that I have one of those moments where I grow concerned over, you know, these two gents developing a bunch of Star Wars stuff, is that if you divorce those problematic elements that we talked about before of how women are sometimes used and and whatnot, it's beautifully made, beautifully acted, like, there have been times where, you know, I'm, I'm not the only one. It will show up on Twitter where people will start saying, this is better than any movie I have ever seen in a theater. Um, so I try to remind myself of that, and I think it's a good thing to keep in mind that if we can get everything aligned and they, like I said, I think, you know, there's potential that they have evolved and are continuing to evolve as storytellers, that if you marry that, if you marry a, a more enlightened viewpoint with, their capabilities, something really exciting could happen. And I am like we mentioned earlier, the story story group is a good buffer in between that. And I, I have a lot of confidence that if they were doing something that the story group or Kathleen Kennedy or anybody was unhappy with, it would be dealt with like it's been dealt with in the past. Yeah. I don't have any worry about it at the moment, but I'll tell you what, if I do, I will let you guys know firsthand. Okay. That's my promise to you and Holly Brime. He's going to let us know if he's not happy about things. Exactly. <laughs> Get ready for a lot of texts. Um, <laughs> is that, is, are we good? Do, did we cover yeah, everybody, I think, Brian? Yeah, I think that's about it. There's one more that people might be interested in. Maybe two more connections. Hit him. Uh, the next one is that uh, the guy who played Gren uh, on season uh, on, on Game of Thrones, uh, he was one of the rangers of the Night, Night's Watch who befriended Jon Snow. Mm-hmm. He was one of the Knights of Ren in the flashback, so oh, we might be seeing more of him. I hope so. That would be or cool. he was under a mask, though, so it's like... They could cast somebody else if yeah. we ever get to see more of them. And it wouldn't break anything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other one is C.C. Smith, who was a, a stunt coordinator on Game of Thrones. Um, he was in charge of sword fight sequences, so like uh, he was also the swords master and stunt coordinator for Force Awakens. So Jon Snow and Kylo Ren uh, were both taught by the same person as far as their sword their sword moves. Wow, I'm not being sarcastic either. I think that's really cool to know. <laughs> it is because now I'm going to put him when I watch Game of Thrones and see Jon Snow. I'm going to put Kylo Ren in his place and then vice versa. Yeah. Mm. And we gotta wait to what next summer for the last six episodes of Game of Thrones of Rebel? Oh, uh, I think it's next April, maybe. I don't know. Next year, it's it's next year yeah. for sure. But Rebels is tonight, right? Tomorrow night, or tonight if you're listening to this on a Monday. Yeah, right. Thank you for clarifying. Um, holy smokes, guys, or Snokes, as the case may be. 
I, I do. I'm happy with that phrase, but sometimes I'm not because I find myself saying it and then I feel like I'm saying it too much and I'm going to ruin it. It was so out there and unexpected the first time you said it. And I just don't well, want to uh, overdo it. It's, it's over now. I'll never say it again. Um, <laughs> you liar. To, You're going to say it tomorrow. Out, We're going to have to talk about Rebels for the next couple of weeks. Yay! That's good. Like, then. have to. Okay, Yay! I'm not going to complain about that at all. All right, so um, I, I like all the connections, Brian. Thank you for, for... Did you find all this on IMDb, or did you do your research elsewhere? Did you just know it? Um, some of it I just knew. Uh, a lot of it I pieced together from a few different websites and, and IMDb. I really love IMDb. I do, too. Uh, the, the IMDb app is one of my favorite things ever. Agreed. I read more IMDb stuff than books these days. I truly do. Like I said, every time I see a TV show or a movie, I'm on there looking at trivia and learning stuff. Um, thank you for doing the work. Uh, Holly, uh, do, yeah. you, do you want to let everybody know your things and the such where they can find you online, please? My things. Um, sure. I am Surliest Girl on Twitter. I'm on Instagram as SurlyGirly5. Uh, I have a regular podcast called Stuff You Missed in History Class that yeah. is at MissedInHistory.com and we're Missed in History all over social media. Uh, Brian and I do a show called Fothentic History, which is at Fothentics or FothenticHistory.com. And then in March, I'll have a whole new show to talk about. I can't wait. I'm really excited for that one, Holly. Me too. I hope we can get this baby launched. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like it's been a lot of work so far. It has. As an example, I spent most of yesterday uh, working through more like 450 pages of transcripts from interviews that wow. I've done oh. so we can start putting episodes together. So I'm excited, but it's also a little daunting. I think it'll be worth it. Brian, what about you? Where, where can they find you? Um, like Holly said, you can find Authentic History, the new episode uh, this week that is uh, part one of a two-parter about the Jedi Council. Uh so you should tune into that. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, then you can find my writings at places as varied as StarWars.com and uh, Sci-Fi and HowStuffWorks.com and BigShinyRobot.com. And if you uh, you know wanted to back me uh, and my short story writing, you could do that on Patreon. It's just a, a $1 monthly subscription. You get short stories from me every month. That's Patreon.com forward slash SwankMatron. But everything that I do, you can find on Twitter, uh, which is at Swankmatron. And I talk a lot about Star Wars on that. So if you're interested in that, Twitter's the place to go. He totally does. If you want to uh, email us, give us an email at holocronfullsit.com. If you want to do a voicemail, you can use the SpeakPipe app on the website, fullsit.com, or just record it on your phone and send it to us. Um, Twitter's at fullsit, at Mike, at Swankmatron, at Surliest Girl, and uh, facebook.com slash fullsit. Go and like us there if you haven't already and facebook.com slash group slash full of Sith. Uh, go and get in on our, the conversations that we have there. Um, I do have some emails to send to you guys uh, with the uh, the surgery the last couple of weeks. I've been kind of slacking on that, but I'll get it to you. Uh, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, the iTunes store, all those things. If you want to leave us a review, that would be nice as well. And you can find me at themike.com. So I'm heading to Black Panther, and, and it seems like uh, from what you guys are saying, we're going to enjoy ourselves. Oh, it's so good. I can't wait. I'm gonna, I'll talk to you about it when I get I'm back. almost torn between seeing it again or going to see The Last Jedi again. That's saying I'm going to hit The Last Jedi because I think it's probably my last chance. 
but I'll be able to hit Black Panther again next weekend. That's that's saying a lot. All right. So um, for this episode of Full of Sith, episode 256, and my uh, wonderfully great co-host, Holly Fry, and Brian Young, I am the Mike Pilot. May the Force be with you, always. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.